salvation. We've been looking at kind of what leads to salvation, what God has already done for us to be saved, what we need to do in order to be saved. We've been looking at all these different types of things like that. Uh, most of it up to this point has dealt with the right here and right now. But you know, there's a very important part of salvation that I want us to look at today. And that is the idea about not just salvation, what it means right here, right now, but what does salvation mean to us in the age that is to come. Uh, that's kind of the language that the Bible uh, speaks about it here. And we're going to be looking at the passage of 1 Timothy chapter 6. And in 1 Timothy 6, we're going to be seeing some things that Paul told Timothy about salvation, about the coming age, and about kind of how to prepare for it, and, and really sort of what our salvation means for the future. Um, now, so many times, this is where we kind of start off. You know, many times we try to talk about the gospel message and say, oh, well, you know, you need to be saved so that that way, you know, you can just live forever and be with God. But, you know, that's kind of skipping the right here and right now. And that's why I wanted us to to spend this time, the, the weeks that we've been spending talking about what does salvation mean for the right here and right now? Because if we as Christians aren't careful, what we'll do is we'll focus so much on the future that we'll forget to look at right now, what's right around us. But it's also important to look to the future. That's why we're looking at this passage today. 1 Timothy chapter 6. 
Now, we're actually going to look at three different things that sort of show up and are, are kind of prominent within it. Uh, the first one is going to be faith. The second one's going to be hope. And you might expect the third one to be love, but it's actually not. It's something different. But let's start off with faith. Because faith is most certainly a part of our salvation. It's been a part of what salvation means and how we can obtain salvation. We've already been looking at this. But let's take a look at faith from 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 11 through 16. 1 Timothy 6, 11 through 16. Remember, it's Paul writing to a younger man who is Timothy. And he says, But you, man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, Godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you were made, when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. In the sight of God, who gives life to everything, and in Christ Jesus, who, while testifying before Pontius Pilate, made the good confession, I charge you to keep this command without spot or blame until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ which God will bring about in his own time. God, the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see. To him be honor and might forever. Amen. So when we look at, at passages like this, uh, for starters, let me just um, get this out because it just, I can't help but but uh, uh, just kind of smile whenever I see passages like this because he's talking about how great God is and how wonderful God is. And then he just kind of starts praising him, just says all these great things in verses 15 and 16. And then, you know, he kind of ends it with amen because it's it's really kind of praying and it's praising God for who he is. And and uh, Paul sometimes gets kind of caught up in that. And and I think it's wonderful if we can do the same thing, that if we just get caught up in praising God, that, you know, we maybe kind of take a little bit of a rabbit trail and just talk about how great God is. I don't believe that is wasted time. I believe we see it several times in the scriptures. So what Paul is talking about right here, though, is not so much about God, though that's part of it. But he's really talking about how Timothy needs to fight this good fight of faith. Now, this whole, um, th this whole book is really kind of Paul encouraging Timothy to stand firm to the faith, to be able to uh, continue to teach the, the proper faith, and to be able to get things back in order because um, the, uh, the, the church that he's been a part of has gotten kind of off. So his job is to help them get back on track. And part of this, of course, is fighting this good fight of the faith. That is so important that we also carry that on too, that that's part of this faith is, is fighting this good fight of faith. And we also find out that one another thing that he says right here is to, to take hold of this eternal life. Hmm, eternal life. You know, we, talk, we oftentimes talk about eternal life as something that's, you know, going to be in the future. And, and sometimes the Bible talks about it that way, but sometimes the Bible also talks about it as taking hold of it right here, right now. Because this eternal life, yes, it's something that we're going to have in the future, but, you know, you got to live right now too, don't you? This time, right here, right now, is part of that eternal life. Now, will life in the future, in the age to come, uh, is that going to be better? Well, yes, it, it will be better. It will be, you know, just the way that God wants it to be, pure. But right here and right now, there's still something that God wants from us, doesn't it? Isn't there? You know, he wants us to fight this good fight of faith. He wants us to be in, engaged in this. And part of our faith is based upon this confession. Now, by the way, 
uh, I think it was maybe even last week or, or maybe the week before. But one of these weeks I, I talked about repentance and how, you know, repentance is not just something that you do once and then, you know, you're, you're done with it. No, repentance is something you have to keep doing. Well, right here, this is talking about um, this, this good confession. Now, yes, there is a time and a place, most certainly whenever we need to confess. And this confession is, once again, not our sins. You start looking at this and you, you see that, uh, well, what confession did uh, Christ make? before Pontius Pilate, and, and what's this good confession that he's talking about? Well, if you look at it, the only confession that we have about Jesus Christ making to Pontius Pilate is about Jesus's identity, who he is, that, you know, he's the Messiah, um, he is the chosen one, he is the one who, is, who has come from God, who is going to change the world. That's the type of confession that we're looking at right here, this good confession. That's what Jesus Christ made uh, to Pontius Pilate, and that's the confession that our faith is based on as well. We need to make sure that, that we also uh, kind of stay in this faith, stay in the true faith that Jesus Christ has handed down to us. And we need to continue to do this and to continue to, as what Paul says here in verse 14, to keep this command. This command gets into kind of what the whole book is about. But the whole book is about keeping to the faith, the faith, the faith that Jesus Christ handed them without spot, without blame, without going to the right or to the left, but sticking completely straight on the way of Christ until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, of course, that doesn't mean that once Christ appears, you can stop. It just means you've got to stay with it until that time. You've got to keep going. That's, that's kind of a focal point that you can look in the future and know, this is what I need to do. I, I need to, to keep following Christ until the Lord Jesus Christ appears again. We need to be fighting this good fight of faith. And you might be thinking, okay, that's, that's all well and good that you've been talking about this faith, but what is faith? To that I would say, turn to the book of Hebrews. And in chapter 11, you get this whole chapter that is devoted to faith and defining what faith is, showing us example after example after example about what faith looks like. Hebrews 11 verse 1 starts off, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about we, what we do not see. So if you want to know now faith is, okay, I mean, how much more like a definition can you get than, well, faith is this. So what is it? You know, you start kind of unpacking this. This is talking about this confidence in what we hope for. Well, what do we hope for? We hope for these things in the future, of course. And, and the next point that we're going to be looking from this passage right here today is hope. So, you know, we'll kind of look a little bit about hope then too. But this right here, our faith, it's about being confident in what we hope for. And the way that the word hope is used in the Bible is not just kind of the way that we, we use it. You know, we kind of use the term hope a lot of times like, oh, well, I hope I get this thing or that thing. And, you know, we might or might not even be expecting that thing. But yet, you know, we might even use it like uh, as if we were saying, I wish for something. The hope that the Bible is talking about is not that type of hope. The hope that the Bible is talking about is being sure of, of what you will get because Christ has promised this. We also uh, see that it's you know being confident in that hope. And all this comes back to the word of God, the word of Christ, and being assured about things that we do not see. Keep reading in this, this chapter and you will find example after example that all tell us what is faith supposed to be about. If you want to know about how important faith is, in Hebrews 11 verse 6 we read, Without faith it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. It's very, very important. We must fight the good fight of faith.
The second thing from 1 Timothy chapter 6 is this hope. And I've already, you know, kind of talked about hope a little bit, but, you know, this passage also talks about hope. In 1 Timothy 6 verse 17, we read this. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Isn't this a wonderful thought about what God does for us? You know, he encourages Timothy and therefore also encourages us to put our hope in God. God richly provides for us with everything for our enjoyment. You know, God loves us. And God wants these great things for us, and he provides these great things for us. We need to put our hope in him. Now, he also kind of says right here about not to be arrogant, and you might think that you do a pretty decent job about not being arrogant, and that's that's great. Uh, actually, perhaps I need to back up just a little bit more. It says, command those who are rich in this present world. Does that define you? Well, most likely it does. You know, if you want to know about the type of riches that you have, how are you watching this video right now? It's without a doubt, you know, some type of technology that you're using right now. That probably costs a little bit of money and then, you know, you're also paying for the internet and you're able to do those things and you most likely don't really think too much about these things. You likely have some type of riches. You know, obviously I'm also speaking to you with, you know, I've got my laptop set up right here and everything. So, I mean, I've got a computer as well. We have riches, especially here in America. That is a great thing. But we can also, we can turn it into evil things. So right here is commanding those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant. Let's make sure that we're not arrogant. Let's make sure that we're not arrogant about these things. And as I was kind of starting to state before, you know, you might think that you do a pretty good job of that. And, you know, I hope that you do. But yet, you know, certainly if you know that you need to, uh, to, uh, to work on that, I would encourage you definitely to work on that because right here it's even talking about commanding, you know, okay, that's, that's pretty straightforward. So we're not supposed to be arrogant. Now we need to look at ourselves and our riches. Even if you might not have a whole lot, you still have some type of riches in this world, most likely. Don't be arrogant about those things. We also don't need to put our hope in wealth. Well, is not going to save us. And you might think that you do a pretty good job of this one as well. And you might think, well, I'm not putting my hope in wealth. Okay, understand what the word wealth means. It's not just about money, okay? Money, it's it's literally just this paper that we've printed stuff on uh, or, you know, coins or, or whatever. Uh, but wealth can take on so many different forms. Let's make sure that we don't put our hope in wealth. And I think that, you know, we can also kind of think about um, where do we put our hope? Where do we put our trust? Is it in our wealth? Is it in these material things around us? Or is it in our heavenly father? We are called to put our hope in God. A passage in Romans, another uh, letter that Paul wrote, and he is actually talking about there in, in Romans chapter 8, about how God is going to make uh, you know all things uh, new in the future, and how you know all of creation is groaning, and it, it's that passage that's talking about all of these things, and how how all of creation is even wanting good things to happen, and uh, you know how we as as children of God are also wanting good things to happen. Well, we as children of God, we have hope that good things are going to be coming, and that's why he kind of he's getting into all of that, and you can you can go there and you can read it in more detail if you would like. But in Romans eight. Verses 24 and 25, we read this. For in this hope, that hope I was just describing, 
For in this hope we are saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not have, we wait for it patiently. See, this is another element about hope. You can't hope for something that you've already got. Okay, that it, it actually says right here, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Okay, that, that's not the type of hope that we're talking about. We don't hope for things that we already have. We look at the world around us and we see it's messed up. It's got problems. We look at even ourselves and we think we're messed up. We've got problems, you know, um, not to be too negatively on, on us as, as humans, but I mean, let's face it, we're not perfect. We know it. I think we all know that, but we hope for something better. We long for something better. We desire something better and we know something better is coming in the age that is to come. So we've looked at faith. We've looked at hope. Now you might think about faith, hope, and love. We oftentimes think about that. But actually the passage right here is not so much about love, but it is about another L word. This time it is the word life. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 18 through 19, we read, Command them to do good. Talking about the same same people he's been talking about, those who are rich in this present world and, and you know, don't don't do all of those, you know, uh, other uh, other things, don't put your hope in all those other things, put your hope in God. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of life that is truly life. So this passage says, look, if you got a lot of riches, if you got a lot of wealth, be willing to share it. It could be amazing what we find if we just would be willing to share this wealth that we have. We also find out that if we are willing to share these things, if we're willing to be generous to other people, verse 19 tells us that this has to do with laying up treasure for ourselves, laying up for treasures. And this, these treasures um, that's talking about right here, it says that it calls it a firm foundation for the coming age. Hmm. Doesn't that just bring these these great ideas about what is to to, to be expected in the age that is to come, in the life that is to come. We see that that all of this, if we have this firm foundation for the coming age, which by the way, I even thought about labeling this sermon as a firm foundation for the coming age, but then I thought that's kind of long. So you know, I went with something a little different, but this is kind of the big point about it all, is this is how we, we lay this firm foundation for the coming age, is we learn to do what's right right here, right now, in this life, in this age, so that in the age that is to come, we can have life that is truly life. I love this phrase, you know, so that they may take hold of, so that we may take hold of life that is truly life. What does life that is truly life look like? Well, Paul shares in another passage, at least largely, what that would look like. In Colossians 3, verses 1 through 4. Paul says, since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. See, all of these things are talking about these future things, these things that, that we, through our faith, we hope for, we long for. This is what life is about. Christ is described as being, you know, Christ who is your life. Is Christ your life? He should be. He longs to be. He invites you 
into that type of life? Have you gone there? Uh, can you boldly say that Christ is your life? If you can say that, then you're understanding what this firm foundation is for the coming age. Because it all comes down to Christ, taking part in the way of Christ, the way of life. Finishing out this chapter, we see from 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 20 and 21, Timothy is told by Paul, Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to your care. Turn away from godless chatter and opposing ideas of what is falsely called knowledge, which some have professed and in so doing have departed from the faith. Grace be with you all. That's how this, this, this letter ends, is to guard what's been entrusted to his care. I want you to think about what all has been entrusted to your care. Are you guarding those things that have been entrusted to your, to your care? Are you a person who lives by faith, by hope? And are you a person who is fully engaged in life that is truly life? This is what it, it comes to be about here. This is how, how this book, this letter to Timothy, it, it concludes with this call to, to stand firm to this faith, to not depart from it, to stand firm in the hope of all these things that God has promised and to take part in life that is truly life, both in this age and in the age that is to come. God allows us to do all these things. He allows us to be saved. Give ear, O heavens, and I will speak, and hear, O earth, the words of my mouth. For I proclaim the name of the Lord, ascribe witness to our God. For he is a rock, his work is perfect, for all his ways are justice. A God of truth and without injustice, righteous and upright is he. Give ear, O heavens, and I will speak, and hear, O earth, the words of my mouth. For I proclaim the name of the Lord, ascribe greatness to our God. For he is the rock, his work is perfect, for all his ways are justice. A God of truth and without injustice, righteous and upright is he.